It's the internet, it's the holidays, let's do this thing. Uh, Jeff Grove with GamesBeat here. We're going to get into this holiday episode, Holiday Spectacular. Um, today's episode, we're going to go over the good awards for 2018. This is part of our week of retrospective podcast. Um, with me, I have Jason Molson. Say hi to everybody, Jason. Howdy! I'm and also Mike beer. Minotti. Say hi, Mike. Drink beer? <laughs> yeah, you could drink uh, beer. Go ahead. Well, I've got a Diet Dr. Pepper. I'm an it's idiot. root beer, but it's still beer. Oh, yeah, well, but no. we know it's... Actually, it isn't. Uh, man, I'm disappointed now. <laughs> well, no one's going to stop you. Who knows how long we're going to go. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get right into this. I want to uh, thank everybody for joining us. You can always get more from us at GameSpeed.com. Uh, we might have... Oh, okay. That's a really good way to start this podcast. Too. So, <laughs> that to make sure you know what? Did, that's for sure I didn't miss this. Oh, God damn it. All right. Let, you know what? We should go with those rules first. I was going to talk to the audience. Let, let's talk to you two real quick. And we'll probably, probably have to repeat this before Dean gets here. If you are going to type in the background, mute yourself. There's a button. I've already, been hearing, I've already been hearing some mighty typing going on over there, Jason. Right. For, from, from the mighty Jason typing, uh, yeah. So mute yourself if you do that. And if you uh, have a phone, you should put it on silent. <laughs> um, on. I'm usually good with that. No, nah, I don't, I'm not going to give you credit. You don't get past credit. What have you, what have you done for me lately, Mike? That's what I care about. I made that um, joke about punching you earlier. That's true. That was pretty good. So soon we'll probably get Dean. Who knows? Who No one knows what Dean does or how he does it. And frankly, we don't want to know. We just want to know if he shows up. So we'll let you know if Dean that happens. Dean Bot is getting an oil change. Yes, exactly. Dean Bot, oil change. That's happening. Okay. So what we're going to do here today is um, we're gonna, we have a bunch of awards that we created. Uh, so these are the important awards that, and really the only ones you should care about in the entire video game industry. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about them and like which game won it and why. And I guess, I mean, maybe I could just, I could start by giving an example. Um, let's just get right into it. Th this is the first one I thought of when like we came up with this idea and it was, um, the award for the best game for living gods. And I wanted to award this to the game Frostpunk. And that's because this is a game where I literally did become like a god king among men. And it was a really interesting way to like use uh, religion and my my governmental powers to create a religion that where I could do no wrong and could like like wield belief as a weapon, but also as a tool to ensure that everyone was like sticking together and working together. Uh, for people that don't know, Frostpunk is a game where it's you are like the last civilized city in this entire frozen world. The entire world's been frozen over and you're like in this small little uh, like carved out area in this tundra with this giant thermal nuclear reactor in the middle. And you have to keep that going and you have to like make sure people get enough food and everything uh, and shelter around this reactor to, uh, to survive like a certain period of time. And like as time goes on, you unlock these skills as a leader and like once you start going down various paths, you get to make some choices. But I went down the path of uh, like religious control, and yeah, it was very satisfying to just be like, um, no, I'm gonna have my my uh, my priests who are basically like my godly cops like go to these houses and stop anyone who like might have been acting up because I needed them to work 24 hours straight or something. Um, so yeah, it was a very good one. Oh hey, we got a Dean. Hello Dean. Oh, Dean Dean. We started without you, Dean. We started without you, Dean. Don't worry, Jeff's just talking about about Frostpunk is it made him feel important for once. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, like for, that's my award for, uh, the, the best game for living gods. There, there's not much else to go it's on. Actually, that, but, uh, would you call it a God game 
or is it more just strategy, basically? You know, it, it's it, it would I wouldn't call it a god game because you don't even have to uh, mess with any of this stuff if you don't want to. There are other solutions to the problems. I just felt very good about like. Um, uh, like I said, like when people would start getting uppity, just being able to be like, ah, no, uh, we're not going to allow that to happen. Here come uh, the Inquisition to uh, to stifle your, your outbursts or whatever. Um, it was, you know, like I was definitely evil, but it was for a greater good. It was to keep the city going. So, well, uh, yeah. I'm going to continue that god thing. All right, so, yeah, what do you got? One of my favorite games of the year is a role-playing game for your PCs back in... May, that's Pillar, Pillars of Eternity 2, Dead Fire. And my headline from my review was, When in doubt, mock the Almighty. Uh, because you do end up being kind of a pawn of the gods of this world, but at the same time, you, you have control over some of their agendas because they're having you to do things, but at the same time, you do have some freedom yourself. But one of the things I really liked is, um, there's this one god, Aethys, who's going around the world and he's taking some time as he walks around to stop and talk to you as you try to intercept him and stop him from doing his thing that he's trying to do to uh, accomplish his goal of resetting the world and while you're doing this you're a pirate and you're in your pirate ship and I think it's the first time I could ever recall in a video game where you're a pirate on a pirate ship Talking to a god who's sitting there to his waist in the deep blue sea, glowing, looking at you, but in a way sometimes talking about his relationship with you and what he's trying to do, but at the same time understanding, like, looking at you with sympathy. It's like, yeah, I know I'm going to probably have to kill you as you try to stop me from what I'm doing, and I feel bad about it. And it was just, it was just kind of a fascinating thing, and it's something I've never really experienced in in a video game before. It's, you know, it, it's more out of a storyline from a novel, or like a Xeno Gears, right? Isn't that all about killing gods? I don't know. I can't, I've never played those games. That's from what I understand. Pirate. From what I say. Yeah, you're you're not a pirate. It's a good point. I thought it was JRPGs are to be fair. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's yeah, very but not as a pirate. JRPG. That's the distinct. Right, right. Th- that's the difference there. That is true. That is that is much more of a JRPG trope. So, except I ju- it's not a JRPP. Right. Well, I, I did it again. I'm calling it PP. JRPG. Dang it! This nice. is what I mean, JRP- Are you down with JRPP? Nice. Yeah, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike. What do you got? Do you have an award to give out? Uh, yeah. The award for greatest Mike Minotti goes to Mike Minotti. <laughs> man, uh, man, the. Uh, 30th year in a row? How old are you? I don't know. 32nd, yeah, yeah. 32nd year in a row. Still going. No, no. uh, I guess, you know, I guess the first one to bring up is, uh, I guess the best game I thought I would hate but didn't is a game that I was kind of dunking on all year. It's a game that I didn't even want to review because I thought I was just going to hate it. I didn't like it at E3. And then, like, I finally got it and ended up liking it a lot. And it was uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. I was convinced yeah. it was going to be a dumb baby game for babies. <laughs> it was going to like quote quote like just you know totally make Pokemon stupid and and too easy. And instead, I found it actually like got rid of a lot of the crap I didn't like about modern Pokemon games. It was much faster paced. I didn't even mind like catching Pokemon just with like the Pokemon Go mechanics. I'm like, oh, this is way less random battles that are kind of meaningless. Uh, and it was actually the like more fun I've had with a Pokemon game in a long time. So surprise. 
So yeah, no, uh, I know Jason agrees with you there, right? Like, yeah, I felt the same for, way about that game. I, yeah, but in a very different way because I come from it from a very different perspective. I hated Pokemon. First Pokemon game I ever played was Pokemon Red, um, which came out for the 3DS a few years ago, and I got so upset about that game that I wrote a story about you know. Tales of a Pokemon virgin playing the game. And right. I did not like it. And this one changes things, and it makes things a little different. And I'm giving it an award as well. I'm giving it my best throwing game of the year. Uh, unlike <laughs> Mike, unlike Mike, um, I got to play it with the Pokemon Plus, Go Plus, the little ball controller. And when you're trying to catch the Pokemon, you can throw with your um, Joy-Con. But you can also do a throwing motion with the ball. And that's a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed it. And I played this game with my kids. And I reviewed it with my children. And it came out to be one of those really fantastic experiences. And we all enjoyed it. And we're still playing it. Yeah, I um, I, I was trying to think if there's any games that I thought I would uh, that I would hate but didn't. And, no, more, you know, normally it goes the other way. And that's definitely, I definitely have some of those. Um, but I I don't know. There are games that, like, definitely surprised me that... Um, that Mutant Year Zero, that one that just kind of came out oh, recently. Yeah. That I've been, I was kind of not sure about it. I definitely would, like wasn't even really paying attention to it because it looked very generic. It looked like a, one of those games that does come and go, and you don't even have to give it a second look. Um, but then people started talking about it, and I, I gave it a shot. And I think it's in Game Pass, so it's like really easy for a lot of people to try. And I, uh, I've started playing it, and now that's the game like right now that I can't stop playing because it's. Um, it's it's really kind of just hitting all the right chords. Um, a big part of it is that it mixes up its XCOM style. Basically, I mean, the way you explain this game is it's XCOM, but with real time stealth sections in between, and you use those real time stealth sections to take out like isolated enemies to make the XCOM parts much easier. Um, and that's I, I like that a ton. And then on top of that, like you are playing as these like walking pigs, like this walking pig, a walking duck. Uh, and they talk and everything. Uh, they're like mutants in a, a post-apocalyptic society. And their their banter is really smart and sharp. Um, and that's really been what's kind of uh, uh, winning me over. Like, so like like, I'm already enjoying the gameplay. Game, and then these characters like, are really good as well. Is it dour? What's that? What's the tone of this game? Um, <laughs> it, 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 like, it, it, it's like faux dour. It's like pretending like, oh, like though this so, the society's falling apart. It's so bad. Oh, my God. But they have like a really good sense of humor. And you're oh, you're taking out ghouls, but then you're going to meet other characters that are like uh, very sarcastic and witty and stuff like that. I, I like that. It's it's like as if we took all the humor of Fallout and put it into a game like this. Yes, and, yeah, and not exactly, the yeah. not the newer Fallout's, the older Fallout's, Fallout One and yeah. Two. Yeah, it's it, like, it, it totally feels knows like that, something like Chris Avalos like would fun write. Game. Yeah, gotcha. You would like it, Mike. I think I would. Yeah, I've I've been playing a little bit of this as well, and. My thing is, dang, I really wish this didn't come out in the second week of December. Yeah, that's uh, that that's kind of... Uh, let, let me. We're going to get back to that because I have an award specifically for what you just mentioned, and that would have been a good transition. We can't have one of those. We don't have those on this podcast. Um, it's got to be awkward and weird. Um, so, like, you were talking about the best, like, game uh, for throwing stuff, Dean, or Jason, and this isn't exactly the same thing, but um, it's the best game for, like, like uh, uh, virtualizing a very basic sport, and that is uh, Eleven's table tennis. 
VR, which is this um, VR game where you just play ping pong. It's just a ping pong game. It's like if you had a ping pong table in your house, but in VR. And it, it's so it's like it's like this really silly concept because like why not just go play, play ping pong on a table? But you know if you don't have enough room or you don't have enough space or you don't have anyone to play with, like this works online and it works so well uh, that I was really. Um, I was really kind of like enthralled with it. It's a game where I, I think about it, I, like I want to go play that right now because I just really enjoy the act of playing ping pong, and this game nails it. I think. Um, what's the? Uh, if you like, the other- if you like that one, uh, when I played the um, Oculus Quest uh, earlier this year and played the um, the tennis game, uh, it was really cool. It was a multiplayer game where you know you. You kind of felt like you could move around the court a lot and just sort of have a lot more freedom because you weren't attached by wire to anything. Um, you're just swinging your arm uh, with your uh, your Oculus uh, Go controller back and forth. And uh, yeah, I, I, I played that and I thought that was cool. And I think it, it gives people something to look forward to when the, the Oculus uh, Quest launches next year. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like... Uh, that yeah, that, I I had some. There was a tennis game that I played with like a, a controller you could attach to in VR, uh, and it didn't have the same effect because you're right. You like you're connected to a wire. That's the VR system I would. Yeah, it reminds you of the Wii, and right? uh, so that you're kind of just standing still, and you have to like zap around, and that's the real problem because it's not as satisfying. So yeah, it would be cool to have that freedom. Yeah. Um, Dean. So since you're uh, you're here and you're talking, uh, I think you you only have like one, maybe two awards. Why don't you go ahead and give out yours right now? Uh, well, I'm a little lost. What are we? What are we doing? What What is my award here? Oh, the award. <laughs> let's, yes. the, let's God damn let's it! Let's play yes. this game so I can make a cool YouTube video. Um, that's, not, that's, that's not right. That's your award. A good yes. award, I guess. But uh, but like you know, um, Red Dead. Uh, it seems like there, there there were so many videos of people crashing their horses, uh, just like people crashing their cars in Grand Theft Auto Five, right? Um, and you run into a rock and you go flying off of it or you run into somebody else and you get into this gigantic fight, right? Um, it's just funny, funny videos on Rented. And then, you know, I think Just Cause 4 was made for just this kind of thing where, you know, you're a YouTuber, you want to create something funny. So you put uh, rockets onto the merry-go-round and make it spin around and you attach people to it with the grappling hook. And then you see them flying around in a circle. And it's, uh, you know, it's just crazy, right? So every, everything you can do in Just Cause 4 seems like it's made for um, uh, streaming some funny video, right? Uh, or, or, you know, posting something funny on YouTube. That's my you know, Just Cause 4 should get a mod where you're playing the Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would sure. be perfect. I'm sure it would. <laughs> So that's probably, every game we'll get it eventually. I'm sure there's a mod you can play as Waluigi, so that's good, close enough. Yes, true. He's basically all three of them put together. Yeah. Um, I like on that topic, like Dean, I, I um, there was a a game Dead Cells this year had its had its YouTube and Twitch integration, uh, which I thought was like the first time that was like really well done in a game where people would uh, they would have these very specific Twitch chests, and you would be able to unlock them by having people in your chat spam certain words like pow and bam and stuff. And you would have to fight all these guys off while they were doing that. And it was, uh, it's like very exciting stuff. And all the integration in that game felt like that. And it really felt like you but were. Didn't they show a video of you playing it at TwitchCon? Like, Twitch- yeah, it, it was really right. weird. Like, someone's like, hey, yeah, I just saw you on the TwitchCon stage. And I'm like, well, I'm at home in bed. So I know <laughs> that didn't happen. And then turned out, yeah, it was, uh, they took a clip of me from, uh, from, from my stream playing that 
to explain like how that worked and how Twitch integration could work. You were but, uh, surprised that I, I didn't even know they were going to do that. They didn't talk to me about it. So I was like, I was just like genuinely enthusiastic about that moment. Cause it's, it really does feel like you're working together with your chat to accomplish stuff, um, which is a, a really, it's a thing that they've always talked about. I don't think many games, if any have really succeeded before, but this game definitely did. Yeah. I think you said you were surprised that the audience had uh, done something like gave you a shield or something. Yeah, yeah, like I, they, they, like I think they were able to choose something for me. They were voting on stuff, and like they would either be aggressive and like try to cause stuff to be harder for me. But if like the game was like naturally getting harder, they would sort of get on my side and like vote to give me something like a shield. I think, yeah, yeah, it was really cool. See, but that stuff couldn't be in the Switch version that I actually played. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's only in the PC version. That's which is why I have it on Switch and PC. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Jason, you've got a couple here. Why don't you uh, give us a couple of yours real quick? If you're ready. If not, that's okay. You're muted. I, I, actually, you know what, Jason, take it away. I got to go do something real quick. I'll be right back, guys. Oh, I was muted. I'm sorry. So this was a good game, but it definitely had some problems, especially when it first launched. Uh, it's Pathfinder Kingmaker, and my award is for the best missing dungeon master. Um, so this is essentially a w almost one-to-one -one translation of the Kingmaker adventures for Pathfinder. And the one thing the game is really missing as you play through it is that guidance you get from a good game master. So for me, it's going to be my missing DM of the year award. Um, I don't think any of you played, played it, did you? No, no. I mean, I didn't even get to... The other one that people really liked, uh, you know, the, the pirate one you're talking about, and this one yeah, way in the back burner after that. You guys don't like my Western PC I RPGs. Uh, well, the next one is for my favorite Apocalypse of the Year. And this isn't even having to do with any action game or role-playing, but it is the version of the Cataclysm expansion from Talisman's Digital Edition. Now, Talisman is a board game. This is the fourth edition of it. Um, Nomad Studios over in England have made a fantastic conversion of this game. It's, it's a true digital conversion with a bunch of house rules you can add into it. Um, Cataclysm takes the standard games board, kills it, puts a new board on top of it, um, and turns many of the locations that you visit as you go around the board. It's like a board game Diablo. Um, except it came out many years before Diablo um, in some ways. And it's it's just a, a very fantastic version of this. And I, I just really enjoy spending, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, taking a few turns and just seeing what happens. Um, as you go visit a place like the Graveyard, which was this place that was uh, deadly and a good place for evil. It's still a good place for evil, but in all these old locations, you meet new people who can give you boons, or you can roll dice for bonuses, and I've just really enjoyed it. Um, my favorite boozy game of the year, um, I don't know if you can get drunk in Red Dead. I haven't tried yet. Oh, you um, do. Don't worry about it. But that. it's the Mark's Tale 4 Burrows Deep. Um, now, booze has been long been a part of the Bard's Tale series. You have to drink in order for your bard, who can sing these really great, powerful songs during the game, um, to have his powers. However, uh, one thing I really loved about this one is the, the bard really has more power in this game. And this, it, 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 as this one goes around, you, you'll get some points like um, there's one power called Angry Drunk. 
where if you do it right and you put some points into it, as you're fighting, the bard will throw a mug of beer or a bottle of wine at somebody as you're fighting because they're an angry drunk. And I really like that. Um, it, it's just nice to see alcohol in a game used as an actual mechanic and as part of, you know, you, you need to do this yeah. in order to... I am kind of tired of alcohol only ever being a... You can, like, drink it for, like, maybe a stat boost, but, uh uh-oh, your character is dizzy. Yeah, it's more than that. You know, you actually need it to to sing your songs. You need it to get your spell points, powers that come off the songs. You can actually use it as a weapon. So it's it's just utterly fantastic and delightful, and I'm very happy that that's there. I'm going to throw... I'm going to... In my last one now, this is one that finally... um, Last one I want to talk for now, then I'll I'll set aside and somebody else can talk. Um, is the best Mardi Gras of the year? You know what this is, Mike? I I, I think I will. Wait, what was it? It's Dragon Quest Eleven: Echoes oh. of Elusive mm-hmm. Age. Right. So again, this is we you know this is a game in which we have another apocalypse um, in the world, but um, during the dark times. You come across one of your party members, Silvando, who is my favorite in the game. Um, he definitely plays like he's a you know completely over the top gay man, but it never specifically identifies if he's gay or not. But he's certainly over the top, and he decides he's going to bring smiles to the world. And essentially, he and a bunch of troopers he recruits get turned themselves into one big giant Mardi Gras float throughout the world in this one part. And they're singing, they're dancing. He has a special Mardi Gras costume that you can put him in and out of. Um, it's just at that point in the game, it's utterly fantastic. But what's so great about Savando is, you know, he's, no matter how bad things are getting in the game, he's trying to keep things um, cheerful and up and trying not to get, always looking at the bright side. Kind of like how Dean does for us, uh, especially when I get into one of my moods. <laughs> I thought that was my job. I got a couple of things to mention to bounce off of those things that you talked about there. Uh, one is the uh, the drunk scene in uh, Red Dead. Um, Mike, I don't know if you've come across that already. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With yeah. Lenny. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, the, the whole, you know, you have such serious missions in this game. And, you know, the one that's before you is you got to go rescue one of the uh, members of the gang um, uh, who, who's in jail and about to be hanged. Right. Uh, but then the boss says to you, um, why don't you take Lenny, who was, you know, shocked and traumatized by, by this process in which uh, the guy wound up getting caught, the other guy, um, and why don't you take him to the bar and get him drunk, right? And so um, you, you set aside the urgency of having to go rescue the guy who's about to be hanged uh, to go get drunk in a saloon. Okay, I'm back. Can yeah. you guys hear me? Yeah. So yes, yes. anyway, you're, you're getting drunk in this saloon and you you can't get away from it. Like you can't you can't end this scene. Uh, you just, um, you know, get drunk and drunker and there's a party and it gets louder and louder and your vision gets fuzzy. And then you try to go find Lenny and then you you can't see straight anymore. And you're, you're finding, you know, women mistaking women for for Lenny and mistaking other dudes for Lenny. And. Yes, this was, was, very was like a, to me, it was, a lot of people said this was a great scene, but I was going like, hey, I want to get out of here. I want to go rescue the guy who's about to be hanged. Uh, <laughs> what what is going on here? So, um, no, I, I, I love that scene. That was, uh, that was one of that my was, favorites. The crazy storytelling of, of Red Dead, though, is, is that, um, you know, 
nobody really liked the guy who was about to get hanged. I mean, he had kind of like a questionable character. And so this is like a passive aggressive way of maybe hoping that he's going to get hanged while you're off getting drunk. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. Red Dead probably could use more creative story missions like that one. Yeah, and that was one one that definitely stuck out for me. I guess when you have 105 missions, um, it's okay to leave that one in, you know? <laughs> yes. So this is funny. So Dean, yeah, so Dean doesn't like the mission, is what you're ultimately saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone, hey, yeah. this is going to be your, this is going to be your game of the year pick this year, I can tell. And the one thing you don't like about it is like the one thing everyone else is saying. They like. <laughs> the, the one thing that the one thing that was like a Jason, really good memory of mine. The other thing that Jason brought up was this notion of the missing dungeon uh, master, and it, it's like you know where is the master storyteller? And um, I think that's um, that's sort of getting to that whole problem in Red Dead. Uh, Jeff wanted it to be emergent storytelling, where it was completely procedural and reactive to the world and then i like the fact that it was uh, you know a master storyteller in charge of directing you where to go so that you never you never got lost in the world you always knew where the next mission was uh, in the ongoing story and uh, i thought that was great um so i don't know i mean i think there's very different opinions then about like uh, whether emergent storytelling or master storytelling Way to go. Well, that just depends. I think it's right for Red Dead because basically the best thing about the game by far is the story. So I kind of yes. just want to get to the next story beat. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like something like, you know, uh, Breath of the Wild, like it, it works because it doesn't do that. And that's kind of the fun of the game. Even Assassin's Creed Odyssey, like doing this kind of in-between thing works really well for that. And we, it's like, oh, this series is benefiting from maybe getting a, a bit away from a bit away from like the super... Like, go here next, go here next, go here next. But I think for Red Dead, again, part of that is just because, like, that is what it's doing best is story beats. So, yeah, just just go ahead and get take me to those. Yeah, my, my, my problem with Red Dead was just that it just it suggested more emergent so- storytelling than what was actually in the game. You always felt like, oh, I could maybe do something here. And it just a lot of times it wouldn't work. Once I sort of recognized that it wasn't ever going to really work, I, 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 I found my peace with that game and, like, what it's trying to do. Um, but yeah, that, that was my, are we going to have a problem. whole separate podcast to get through our redhead <laughs> yeah. issue? I know it's going to be like a whole thing. We're doing the battle world well, tomorrow. I think so the problem yes. with, the oh. problem with Red Dead was they, they did the big preview of the game right before where it made you think that it was very emergent storytelling. Right. I think the they were, I, oh, I think the you're absolutely right. They were definitely trying to like play it off as they were, as the more, more of those things were uh, naturally occurring and like. They would just like this could happen, and like it would be your story, and like the guy's gonna get bit by the snake, and you're gonna have to help him. And then are you gonna suck out the poison, the the, the venom? Like, what are you gonna do? Turns out that happened to everybody like twice. Yeah, exactly. The interesting and, thing. That's the thing. That's that suggestion was with yeah, the interesting thought. thing in the interview I did with Rob Nelson at the Rockstar was that he said that they did create a version of Red Dead that was entirely emergent and procedural. And uh and that's that's part of why it took what this eight years to make. Uh, and they threw it out because it didn't work. Yeah, no, I, I'm not surprised to hear that. That sounds like you could kind of see the hints of like them trying that stuff and then pulling back on the reins. Um, okay, well, we got some. Well, these are the good awards. We don't have to like go back and forth yeah. on Red Dead too much. So can I be, can I just be the one to point out how funny it was when Jeff just kind of came back in a bluster? I was like, all right, everybody, I'm here. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. It looks like we thought we were going to. Pa- I see now that you have the message asking us to pause while you were gone. You didn't expect us to just keep podcasting. Yeah, oh, no, I, 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 I tried to because I figured you guys were going to have to. Uh, you know, you can't where, like, see the text me. messages that you put on this weird thing that, you have us record on. And I can't trust you guys to like take directions either. So yeah, lesson learned. Lesson learned. Um, yeah, now you know right. what my life's like, Jeff. <laughs> okay, so I think we got we got through Dean's award up here. You got um, I think Jason did his. Mikey yeah, wants to j- go. J- okay. Yeah, uh, I have a few left, but I wanted to give a pause. Yeah, well, Mike, you got a few here. You did your Pokemon one. Have you done any of your others? No, I haven't. And okay, well, it, you go. God. Yeah. I'm sharing. I'm going to share. Let Mike go. All right. So my award for the best Mega Man game since Mega Man 10 goes to Mega Man 11. Wow. Yeah. Lots of competition in that one, for sure. You know what? It might even be the best Mega Man game since Mega Man 9, now I think about it. it I think it's better than Mega Man 10. I don't know if it's better than Mega Man 9. But, it's well, better but than how is it give, compared to Mega Man 3? No, uh, not, every game is worse than Mega Man 3. To be here we can, we can hear Mike debate himself here. I know, yeah. Well, I was going to ask him, like, give some people some context about how you feel about the Mega Man series overall and, like, where the slots end. But if he says every game is worse than Mega Man 3, I think you have a pretty good idea. Right. Of Mega Man 3 is my all-time favorite game. I like a lot of these games a lot. It's probably my, like, the classic 2D Mega Man games is probably my favorite game series. Well, let's do let's do that guessing game. Is it in the top half of the, the these core one through eleven Mega Man games? Might, I think it might be. I think it's it's certainly more in the middle part of the top half. Maybe it's like right there. It's certainly in the very good like section of them. And the, the one thing I enjoyed was even after like you know I, I beat the game normally, then I played it on a hard mode, beat it that way, and I've actually still just been able to like go back and play it again and have fun. And that's kind of the what I think the Mega Man games are good at is. Even though they're, they are, like, you know, kind of, like, linear, you know, 2D platform action games, there's a bizarre amount of replayability there. Like, it's fun to just kind of go back and sort of be really good at these sections you used to struggle with and just try to optimize other things. Uh, once you're good at the game, you can, you know, beat it basically, like, in a couple of nights, a uh, couple of hours. And uh, even, like, the speedruns, I've just been, I probably watched, like, 20 speedruns of this game already. It's such a fun game to see people speedrun because of... Uh, Messing around with that double gear system a little bit, and then the way that they use the one ability that kind of is like a midair dash, and that mixed with just like all these like weird tech things that aren't really in some of the other Mega Man games. Like there's a weapon wheel in this one, so people can switch to weapons instantly. They don't have to like either go into a menu or push the shoulder buttons to cycle through them. So like they're fighting bosses and like they're doing all these crazy things, switching weapons, uh, like so much more regular weapon use than in a normal Mega Man game. So I, I, I realized that this, this was the this was the game I was trying to think of last time. I'm like, there was a game I wanted to just buy on Switch and play through tonight. What was it? And I couldn't think of it. It was Mega Man 11. I need to still yeah, play. Yeah. Now, Mike, um, I found that when you play on the more casual mode, it's 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 actually an approachable game. Um, Mega Man is just too hard for for my old man reflexes and my old man hands. Um, but I've been able to play it and actually enjoy it, which I couldn't really do with a lot of the other more recent Mega Mans, if you could actually say that. Um, you know, have you found people enjoying it more casually, like me? You know, I haven't heard a lot of it. I think it's almost... I think people who try that like it, I am almost worried, like, you know, I think people at this point have an idea that they like Mega Man or not, and I don't know if they're going to hear this easy mode and suddenly they're going to dive in. I think it's super smart of them, and I'm hoping more people get into the series. 
I mean, Mega Man games usually don't have difficulty options, or, or and if they do, it's usually just normal and hard. And this game added two kind of layers below that of easier difficulties to just kind of make it more accessible, which I think is super smart. My kids appreciated it because, you know, they're not used to games that are this punishing. Right. And I think that's really smart, too, because, you know, you've got to get new people in because, you know, let's face it, you know, you know Mega Man fans are approaching middle age, so they're going to start dying. Like me that's in right. a couple of years. Any day now. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Um, I, I got a few here. Speaking of uh, dying very soon, <laughs> very quickly, um, the oh, oh Hello, Okay Bye award goes to uh, Radical Heights. Um, this is a game that, I mean, you might remember, maybe you won't. It just came and went. It came out in like April, and then a few months later it was done. So this is the uh, the follow-up game from, uh, from Cliffy B Studio that made Lawbreakers. Lawbreakers was a tragic like just just failure, I guess is the only word because it just it really just crashed and burned immediately when it came out. And to in an effort to salvage the studio, they were one of the first, other than Fortnite, to jump on the uh, uh, battle royale bandwagon with this game, Radical Heights, which was made in Unreal Engine, and it looked like this really. I mean, it had, it was it had bad graphics. It looked bad, and it was like, it had, but it had a bunch of inter- interesting ideas. And so I found myself playing it and like just kept playing it. It was really good, I think, for the most part, because it was like this. Um, shopping spree version of Battle Royale where the idea was to get money and then to find these um, these game show like big like uh, prize wheels and then spend money on these other things and then go to these ATMs and take money out that you earned in other matches and sort of just like take take them out like one at a time like a $100 bill at a time so you're sitting there like a, a sitting duck someone come up and shoot you but you're also you know the risk reward there is well, I could get a lot of money from these other matches I played and have a chance to go buy this really awesome weapon that's going to give me a good chance to win there was a lot of clever stuff in that game um but it wasn't enough that studio just couldn't afford to stick around after the the lawbreakers uh, collapse hey, hey, hey remember when Cliffy B told me to eat a dick this year <laughs> yeah and then yes and then not long after he told <laughs> you to eat a dick on twitter which was just delightful um and now he's you know you know, talking about it though, isn't that prize wheel just a fantastic thing? Wouldn't that be great to see in other games? Oh yeah, I, yeah. The, all the ideas, all of the um, the shopping ideas that they put into this game was it, it was a really interesting spin in a in a genre that that like is totally right. Like it's it, you could put a million interesting spins on battle royale, and a lot of them could work. And I think for the most part, what we're going to get is mostly just me too battle royales, um, which is. You know, no offense to Call of Duty, but that's what that Call of Duty look is. Forward, look forward to 2018. Yeah, I mean, is going to be even more Battle Royale craziness. Yes, for is sure. Is it, or is it going to, you know, recede a little bit? No. Well, I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a mode that's going to be in every game. Like, I mean, you say that, but Battlefield Five would Battlefield Five feel like it says, um, you know, as struggling as much as it is, if it had a Battle Royale mode, probably not. People would probably be playing it on Twitch more and, and would care about it more, and it just seems like no one even notices it because it doesn't have one. So it's still at that point, so I think it's going to stay that way throughout most of 2019, where, uh, sure, you're not going to get headlines just for having this, but you're going to get the attention that sort of maybe would have come to a Battlefield game uh, by default before Battle Royale. Hey, Battlefield, if that makes Battlefield sense. 5 has been that Battlefield's biggest mistake is that they need to make a new bad company, because that's I think that's perfect for the streaming era. Yeah, I, we'll see if they if they hear your call. I think you're probably right. Uh yeah, Battlefield Five's growing on me too, Dean. I, I think it's fine. It's just, um, it's it, uh, you know beyond you and me. It's not getting a lot of attention that you know you would expect for a Battlefield game. I mean, this whole controversy um, about time to kill, time to death. <laughs> I, I don't even notice it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I think I, I would notice it in a game that I played that I've played a lot more than Battlefield Five, but I, I haven't noticed it there. Um, okay, let's see here. Oh, yeah, I, we were talking about like Red Dead and its story and stuff. Um, one of the games I played or at least finished right after Red Dead was. Uh, Marvel's Spider-Man, and I want to give it the Stan Lee Memorial Award for not being ashamed of what you are. Uh, this game recognizes that it's inspired by comic books and comic book characters, and its story is a comic book story, and it nails it, and it's so good. It was so refreshing to kind of get this um, very uh, straightforward story about good and evil, and then like you know friendship and betrayal, and uh, you know this this one hero standing against the odds, and just. You know, and and then also still paying the price because he's he's Spider Man and Peter Parker, and that's what happens. He tries to do good, and he ends up paying the price because that's the price of responsibility. And it's just it's just so it's just so nice. And it was like okay, like it was okay with being a comic book story, and I really really appreciate that. Um, and kind of want more games to realize, you know, just kind of aim for that, aim for comic book level storytelling, and and embrace it because you are just a video game, and a lot of these are just like motion comic books like comic books that have come alive and you can control there's, just there's a lot okay of, with that a lot of moral ambu uh god i can't even say that one i'm gonna try a lot of shades Beauty. of thank you <laughs> lots of shades of gray being thrown around even in the freaking single player mode in uh super smash Bros. it's also doing the yeah darkness is bad but light can be bad too <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's yeah. like what is this all coming from yeah, yeah that's, that's like the big necessary. i think that's the big new like japanese video game trope now instead of f- fighting gods it's like not only is darkness bad but good is too actually even like World of Warcraft, like, it used to be like, oh, the void is bad, but the light's good. Now the light is also bad sometimes, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's both sidesism. It, you know, it, it, our video games are being written by centrists, is what happened. They're all just a, bu- a bunch of centrists writing our games, and uh, Spider-Man's like, nah, you know, this guy's a good guy, and that's awesome. Can I write a story about both sidesism and Super Smash Brothers? Yeah, do Please. it. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that my two favorite pieces of Spider-Man media, ever, uh, have come out this year. And one is a video game, which is Marvel's Spider-Man, and the second is Into the Spider-Verse. I, I yeah. think these are better than any Spider-Man movie ever made. I think they're better than the comic books. Uh, he, he's having a good year. I, yeah, except for like maybe that like, super original run in the 60s, which I just like really love. Like, this is like the best Spider-Man stuff to well, probably come you know, out in my lifetime. We, we weren't born yet. So <laughs> I'm not really counting those yet. Oh, they're so good, though. There's you know, even those. I'm not that old. I know, but yeah, I'm, I'm rereading those. those or I'm reading them for the I first time really right like now. I'm kind of halfway through that first 100 issues. It's really good. Like, yeah, Spider Movie is fantastic. The Into the Spider, and that that means that they're getting um, new a new okay, generation of, uh, of people uh, into the uh, subject matter, which is uh, which is good. Because as you say, we're all, we're all going oh, yeah. to die. <laughs> that's right. Why yes. are we taking this dour tone with the? <laughs> that's the theme of this podcast. It's why is everything about how we're dying soon? We survived like by 18, but we're not going to survive. Dean and I are closer to years. death than we are to when we were born. Well, yeah. well, not unless they come up with those life-saving <laughs> technologies. Yeah, you guys I'm going to live forever. I don't know about you fools. Um, okay, I, uh, I think we should probably get to... Okay, Jason, let's get back to you, and then we'll do Mike's, and then we'll, we'll finish up with mine or maybe one of Jason's again, because I think that's how, how this is breaking down. So, Jason, give us one or two of yours. Oh, you're muted, Jason. 
still meet. Oh, crap. I said a lot of funny things, too. <laughs> God yeah, we it. believe you. I'll put in some fart noises and stuff in the edit. There. No, no fart noises. I haven't done any fart jokes today. Yeah. Well, good. Good. That's right. He deserves a cookie for that. Yes, damn it. Well done. Um, so my best history repeating game is the Bard's Tale Remastered. Uh, it takes games that are utterly unapproachable these days, unless you actually played them the first time, and, and makes them things that a modern gamer can actually get through. Um, you can save anywhere. It, it, it's a recreation from the from even even the pieces of art um, of the original Bard's Tale role playing games that came out for PCs and just about everything else back in the nineteen late you know mid to late eighties. Um, fantastic games, and they have remastered music, uh, recreated um, new art. Little notes from the old guidebooks that are actually in the game now, so they help you get around and figure out what you're doing if you get lost. They're just fantastic, but they're also a really great reminder of what these games used to be. And I just couldn't believe how much I enjoyed going back to them, even though I've you know beaten played all these games so many times over the years. Um, the next one is for my favorite mining contraption. Um, this is from the. Path of Exile Delve expansion, which came out earlier this year. Um, it turns Path of Exile into an infinite dungeon. One, uh, you, you know, you just procedural levels, one after the other, and you try to see how far you go down, and then there's a leaderboard for how far you go and how much you get, etc., etc. Do you and, get Bitcoin and, or what? No, there's no Bitcoin. <laughs> there's no Bitcoin. Um, so the, you, you get this little mining... Um, carrier that kind of comes around with you and it has this little circle of light in which you're safe and so you, you want to run back to this little thing and and, and it, it becomes your friend and it becomes your buddy as you're going around i mean it doesn't really help you other than you know it's that little bit of guiding light so that you're safe and of course helping you get around but you know it kind of takes on this little like oh you're my only friend here in this big deep mine and I really appreciated that and I really enjoyed that uh, as silly as it sounds and then my last one is a pun um, I'm sorry but um, best is it my new groove award is for Magic the Gathering Arena is it of course is one of the guilds and guilds of Ravnica which is one of the expansions for Magic um, I'll be having a story coming out over the holiday about how I never actually played Magic really until this year um, for all kinds of reasons, but we won't get into that now. But I found that because of the greater deck building options, the different types of modes you have to play, that I've been playing much more Magic than I have Hearthstone. And Hearthstone was one of the games that I played more of than any of the last few years. Do you have the Hearthstone fatigue now, Jason? No, I wouldn't say Hearthstone fatigue. It's just, it, it's nice to, you know, Hearthstone's what you play when you're just going to play a couple of quick fun things and some goofy noises. And then when I want to get into a mode that has a little more depth, I'll play Magic. I, um, you know? for, the, for the History Repeating Itself Award, I was, uh, I, I might have talked about this on a recent podcast, but uh, I, this is very recent History Repeating Itself, but I, I wanted to give the, like, a, a kind of a similar shout out to, uh, Smash Brothers for just sort of being willing to say the, 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 you know, it's a new Smash Brothers. 
it is like it is a completely different game, but it is bringing a lot of stuff back that was just in Smash Four, and that's okay. Like, there's no reason to throw out all that stuff just because we need a new game. It's okay to just sort of be a super deluxe version of a game that came out recently if you're going to put all this effort, all of this effort into the uh, the single player campaign uh, that like is just uh, one clever uh, situation after another with all this these callbacks to the history of Nintendo and games on Nintendo platforms. Um, so, like, so yeah, that, I, I think that was a really good example of kind of that same idea. Um, even like Hitman two, uh, and this might bring me to my last award, which I guess we could just get out of the way right now. Um, but, uh, Hitman two, like it, it, it sort of just was okay with repeating its, its recent history of bringing in Hitman one games as content in this game and giving them like a, a slight upgrade with like new things you can do in them. But for the most part, this is just Hitman one in Hitman two. And, and then the rest of the game, is is very similar to the to the, the to the 2016 Hitman, um, because once again it didn't feel the need to throw out all this stuff. It recognized that you know we have a really good fundamental uh, you know base here, and we could just build new interesting levels on top of that, and that's what people want. And they were absolutely right. And uh, hey, I have more room in gaming for those sorts of things than I than I think. I, we're getting. I, I'm oh, totally. With you I, on and that I wish more game studios would do that. I'm with you on that when I've been playing it, and uh, I think they you know. Like especially that Miami level, they they kind of realize the vision they had for the last game uh, and just executed right. well in this game. Like the the crowds are just so big and so much bigger that it does feel like uh, you know you're you're really in the middle of just this uh, this different world and you can go and make anything happen and uh, uh, you know sort of choose any any way to execute the. Uh, Missions, yeah, the assassinations. Yeah, and that's a lineage directly from you know Hitman One, which they just you know this was going to be the the second season of that game, and you could tell, and that's totally okay, and it's okay that they like sold it as a full sixty hour game because it's it's worth it once you kind of get all that stuff in one package for sure. Uh, Jason, you were going to say something as well. Oh, I was just talking about how good it is to see game developers not throwing out good ideas just because they're making a new game. Yes. It, it, it's like there's a lot of space for that. Um, and, I, and I think these both those games kind of prove that. Um, okay. Uh, Mike, I think you got, you have two more. We'll see if we have any, anyone else. Oh, the one's the bad one. You went to save that, I think. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So I think got one one. Okay. Yeah. Then go ahead and uh, wrap us up here. What's your last one? Oh, there's one? a separate section for bad ones on your sheet. I'm very good at this. You are just the best. Yay, the best. me. I got oh. some gray hairs here that say, Drink yay, some more Mike, Dr. thank Dr. you. Oh, I could. Uh, okay, so yeah, my last one is for my, uh, you know, there's been a lot of really good retro-style 2D uh, platforms this year. I, I, this is kind of like the best overshadowed retro game, but Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, which I think that came out like the summer, and it's just this, like, sort of like retro, all kind of 8-bit style, basically cla classic Castlevania game. And we see so, so many games that are inspired by the Symphony of the Night style, the Metroidvania style. It was it was so fun to play a game that was very directly aping off of specifically Castlevania 3, and it did it really well. The, the pixel animations were super cool. The bosses were really big and interesting and, and fun. Uh, this, like, was one of the... You know, we haven't had any kind of game exactly like this. We've, again, there's a lot of, like, inspired by Castlevanias, 
but they're more in the uh, Metroid side. Yeah, it's so Metroid cool to play. Yeah, it's so cool to play something that was more of like that kind of, you know, you can almost call it sluggish, but I guess it's a little bit more deliberate style. And it was just so well put together and super fun. It encouraged multiple playthroughs. And I just, yeah, had a had a lot of fun with this one. And I hope people didn't kind of completely forget about it. Like, it's weird because it's like almost a promotional to like this game that's kind of promoting that Bloodstained game that's coming out next year, right. which is a Metroidvania. But I'd be shocked if that was better than this, to be honest. Yeah, I, I this was definitely that thing that happened. I guess, um, like maybe another one that I would. Well, this isn't like a retro game, just kind of overlooked. Um, was that Yoku's Island Express? I know there was that push to get like more people to play it, and a lot of people did jump on it. But it also feels like one of those games that people um, still overlooked for the most part. Oh, uh, not a retro style, but like you know, back. a new mechanic in that pinball platforming thing. That was fun. Um, yeah, that I, I think more people could have kind of given. Give a look at that one. Yeah, I need to get back to that. Thank you for reminding me, Jeff. Yeah, see, see what I mean? Over, I mean, overlooked. It, yeah, Celeste and Dead Souls, those are going to get the most attention in this kind of category this year. And they, and, and they deserve, they deserve so. to. They are in, they right. are, are incredible games, both of those. Um, but that doesn't mean like people shouldn't have played Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Like it is doing its own thing and it's doing it really well. And it's, um, uh, it's and it's one of those games where it's like oh there's like even more here than you expect because it's uh, you can replay it and choose different ways of playing it and it's a very different game each time um, so so yeah a, a very cool one one that I intend to keep going back to but I just haven't had the time to so yeah okay I, I think that does it do we have any other awards for for the good awards on day one of our 2018 retrospective podcast nah no I don't think so okay cool. Well, then uh, no, I think what we're going to do sure is we're going to wrap this of... episode up. Oh, wait, what was that? I'm sure we have more good things to say about games in some later episodes. Are gonna... Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so yeah, like I said, we're going to wrap this one up, and we're going to be back tomorrow, and we're not going to do what Jason said tomorrow, because those are the bad awards. Mostly, mostly that's just an excuse to sort of um, talk about some of the games that are that we want to like maybe criticize or talk about ways, is, ways the industry. It's where we dunk on Red Dead Redemption 2 in front of Dean. That's right. That's a, This is what it's all about. It's actually an intervention to get him to stop before we talk about Game of the Year. Um, in, in, in fact, look forward to see who wins Jeff's award for loving your own farts. <laughs> yeah. What, that's what a, that's could a good you be team. talking about? That's, I, I, I was thinking either that or maybe, um, uh, you know, what's it like up your own ass award, but I'll explain that tomorrow. So tune in for that if you want an explanation for what we're talking about. Um, the next you day know, we'll be talking about got, our best moments of the year. Oh, go, go ahead, Jason. I got lectured by my six-year-old about eating spicy food and how it makes me fart and how I shouldn't do it anymore. You're, oh, you're doing so good, Jason. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, and, and come back for more uh, discussions about our uh, about our bodily functions and everything later this week. Yeah, the, the third episode will be moments, and then after that we'll have our Game of the Year discussion where we pick the ten best games of the year as decided by the GameSpeed uh, staff. So tune in for all those. Until then... Have a good one. Enjoy the holidays. Um, go back to your families now. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye.